1: And we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. I'll get to our guests in just a second, a week and a half away from the NFL season kicking off. If you're looking, which I know you are, looking to participate in any NFL pools this season, this is the episode for you because this is our annual NFL pool strategy episode. Here with Action Network, we have Travis Reed of the Action Network and. NFL pool play expert Jason Lisk from our good friends at PoolGenius.com. Today, we're discussing strategies around two of the most popular types of NFL pools. The two we're going to discuss, Survivor Pools and Pick'em Pools. Very excited to dive in. We're going to start Survivor and we'll work our way to the Pick'em Pools uh, down the road here. We at Action Network love Pool Genius. We love their products. Once again, partnered with them this year. That's because they remain the only site dedicated exclusively to helping people with more pools across all sports, including the NFL, Survivor, and Pick'Em. We love the data, the analytics here at Action Network, and they've spent over a decade building tools to optimize your picks based on math, game theory, data, and their subscribers have reported more than $8 million in pool prize winnings since 2017 and cash in their pools more than three times more often than expected. Wow, what a setup. Uh, Jason, Lisk, why don't we go to you first? We're discussing uh, two pools. We're going to start with Survivor, and uh, then we'll work our way to pick them. How long uh, Jason, why don't you first explain to us uh, and tell us how uh, the customizable products at Pool Genius what they can offer
0: to users? Yeah, we have two separate products for football season. We have an NFL Survivor product and we have an NFL and college football pick'em product or a package where you get both. So we'll start with Survivor. Survivor is one where you can enter a lot of different Survivor pools. So if you play a lot of entries, if you play in different types of Survivor pools, it's a really good product. Uh, you get access to up to 30 entry picks each week. So those can be across pools. You then set up each pool. You tell us the rules, the size. Does it have strikes? Do you have buybacks? Do you have to make any extra picks in a certain week? What's the prize structure? Some pools are different. All those things, because we'll take all that into account. Like we'll we'll value maybe your highest value pool and give you the best pick for that one. And we'll give you portfolio picks across the entire spectrum. So that's Survivor. You can set up multiple picks, get 30. Uh, Football, college, NFL, combinations, spread, game winner confidence points, all that stuff are the customized features. You you have unlimited access to pools there. You can set up your college pool. You can set up your pick five spread pool. And we'll just give different advice. You tell us the rules again, how many picks you need to make, what games are eligible, point system, all that stuff. And so we'll provide customized picks for those.
1: Love it. Love it. So when folks are diving into this, one of the first questions that comes to mind, how long is an average entry expected to last When it comes to a survivor pool, as I said, we're going to
0: get to pick them pools later on. I think one of the people like to exaggerate how long they last in survivor pools. If we go by the public pick data over the last decade, half of all entries have been out by the end of week four every single year. Wow. Under 10% on average by week nine, which is now the halfway point, which tells you that most entries don't make it through. And so your goal should be, do I have an entry good enough to win it if I do make it through? For that second half push, because if you're in a pool with a thousand people and 10% are left, that still means you got to be hundred other entries. And so you have to be built for the long haul in those types of pools. But yeah, 10%, uh, I think last year, maybe five out of every a thousand entries on average would have gone 18 and 0 over the course of the season. That's about how tough last year was.
1: Holy cow. Travis, when you're strategizing for a survivor pool selection, what is top priority?
2: Well, I kind of have a Ricky Bobby mentality of if you're not first, you're last, and that's it's kind of what this idea of okay, we have to survive week one. Jason just gave you the numbers. you're most likely gonna be out by week you know four uh you, or if you have fifty fifty shots be out by week four, you might get lucky to get into week nine, week ten uh I'm always of the mindset, let me build out. I'm going to get through the whole season undefeated. How does that happen? And so I'm willing to take risks. If that means I lose in week one, that's fine. But I'm willing to take a lot more gamble, I think, in some of these early season matchups than a lot of people. So I'm looking at, okay, how can I, if I do make it to that week nine point where there is only a 100 teams left, do I still have a lot of good teams left down the stretch to actually make a run at winning the cash at the end?
1: So that's your target as far as life life expectancy. What does the data tell us Jason as it pertains to components that you have to
0: consider? Kind of in line with what Travis said, you want to be built, you want to take some chances. And so when we take when we say chances in survivor, we don't mean taking the Texans as a 10 point underdog. We mean taking like the team with a 65% chance that nobody's picking instead of the 80% that everybody's mm-hmm. picking, right? You're taking a chance relative to the field, but you're doing so to get leverage. So the things you want to look at are win odds, right? You, you need to know how what, what the odds are advancing. You typically want to take as good a team as you can, but you counter that with popularity because you only win pools if you make picks others don't make. And so you kind of have to balance taking the best win odds team with who gives you the leverage on the field. And then the third element really, and an important one, especially in larger pools that are going to go deep into the year, future value. Every team has a different value. You can only use each team once, and all teams are not created equal. The Bills, for example, last year, or the Chiefs, they were valuable in a lot of different weeks. And so there was a week early, I think it was week five, the Bills were playing the Steelers, were like a near-two-touchdown favorite, and over a third of the pools were taking them. But if you're in a pool that you know is going to go into December, the Bills are going to be huge value later when nobody else can pick them. And so delaying that that gratification on taking the Bills is worth it because you got to hit a home run with the Bills. Some teams, you just need to get a walk. You don't want to strike out, right? You Let's say a team that's middle of the pack, Atlanta this year, New Orleans, you may be picking them at some point and you're just like, get me through so I have the Bills and the Chiefs for a future week when I can drop the hammer on people.
1: It's Travis, same, uh, same to you. Uh, when it comes now to Rules for specific pools. How do the rules, and you can use whatever example you'd like, impact the value of a pick? What are the rules to be aware of? How are you factoring in rules to target value?
2: I think the number one is how many entries are in total in this contest. Uh, Jason brought up the thousand-person example, but if you're in a pool of ten, your strategy changes immensely. You don't have to be nearly as risky uh, in a ten-person pool as a thousand. That all makes sense to everybody, but. Really, that's on a scale. Uh, it's one of the things I think Pool Genius does really well is like he, he said, you can just plug in your exact data and it'll kind of tell you, it'll weight that for you based on how many number, how many people are in that pool. But there's some other things. If you can buy in 10 times versus buy in once, there's going to be people in that pool that have bought in 10 times and they're going to have an edge against you if you just enter that one time. So you probably want to try to max enter any contest you can. Uh, if that means going down a bet size, because you're not comfortable betting you know, 10 times what you thought you were going to, uh, do that. That's probably going to be better for your equity in the long run than just entering one shot and other people have 10 you know, in the exact same tournament that you're in. So those are two that immediately come to mind. The other thing, some of these are getting weird now with the weeks. I've seen some where the Thanksgiving is a specific week. So there you only have three games. You have six teams to choose from. You better have a plan laid out that you're taking one of those six and hopefully not uh, you know, a seven-point underdog on Thanksgiving week. So you get kind of squeezed there, especially how late in the season it is. You really want to have plans for contests like that.
0: Right. We mentioned buy ba- buy-ins, rebuys, buybacks, or various terms for the same thing. Strikes are similar, but you just automatically get it without having to pay more. Uh, you want to pay attention to things like, does it expire? And do you have a certain week you have to use it by? Because then it becomes like actually very strategic if if you know... Like a striker buyback is expiring, let's say after the first month, you actually want to be very risky, like the the week it happens, because you're like, why burn a team that has any value in the future when you can come back, like use a use a really bad team in some cases. Uh, the multi pick situation, similar to the Thanksgiving example that Travis just discussed, a lot of pools I play in will have like weeks in the in the second half of the season where you have to make two picks, and the reason they do that typically is because they're large pools, like. Even though we talked about it's really tough to make at the end, in a thousand entry, two thousand entry pool, people are making it and they're trying to introduce rules that make it even harder. So there's less of a pot chop, or less of a split. And so you have to be aware of those multi pick weeks. And really, the key to those is you got to have two good options. Like people, like if you had a 90% team, but then you had like a pick em, you're actually in worse shape than having just like two 70% teams in terms of your chances of advancing. A lot of people won't plan ahead and those weeks will wipe out those pools.
1: Okay, good stuff. Uh, as a reminder, Pool Genius is extending discounts up to 55% on football packages to Action Network listeners, plus a free trial through NFL Week 1. So you can give all their tools a test drive. And if you're serious about winning your pools this season, get involved with that. And also just visit PoolGenius.com slash action. PoolGenius.com slash action to sign up. Jason, we know that entering a pool, and you both have laid this out, there's risk. Mm -hmm. When is the right time in a survivor pool to take bigger risks? And we've hit on some of these examples already, but speak to that.
0: So first of all, I'll say every year is different. And so you really have to play that year and the circumstances of each week. But generally speaking, the things you want to look for, you want to play unpopular teams when their odds aren't that much lower. You want to try to catch people like when... Picks are concentrated on, let's say, a favorite or two. And I'll give you one example that was one of the key examples in a couple years ago. There was a week, I think it was 2020, it might have been 19. The Colts uh, were playing the Dolphins. They had one win on the year. The Colts were a big favorite. The Saints were playing the Falcons. The Falcons had one win. The Saints were a big favorite. This was when Breeze, I think, was there still. And both those teams were collectively being picked like 85% of the time. They were the two biggest favorites. But what that did is it gave you an opportunity to play against two teams. All you needed was one of them to hit to lose. And so taking like those four-and-a-half, five-point favorites up against a two-touchdown favorite, an 11-point favorite, were actually smart risks to take. And what happened was the two big favorites lost and pools were wiped out. Like 90% of pools wiped out. We had subscribers writing in. I have five of the last seven entries left. (laughs) I, I, I played the teams you said. I avoided those two. I think we had the Bears against the Lions. It's a game nobody wants to pick, right? Uh, not a sexy game, but those are the opportunities you have to find, is when can I leverage the right risk for the great reward? That's what you're looking for.
1: Okay, and also I took away from that, even if it's not sexy,
0: get yeah. into it.
2: Yeah, early and often, uh, Avoiding just avoiding the most popular pick every week is a huge advantage if that's if that's all you do. If you learn one thing from this spot, just avoid the most popular team every week and pick somebody else. Because not only do you get an edge in that week, but also by not using that team, even if they do win, you have that team left and they don't in the future. So that kind of compounds your leverage forward um, in weeks other. But uh, talking about you know some games, I was looking at some last year. Heineke beat the Eagles when they were eleven and a half point favorites. Zach Wilson beat the Bills when they were ten and a half point favorites. PJ Walker beat the Buccaneers when they were thirteen and a half point favorites. These games happen every year. It's not once in a decade type thing, there's going to be huge upsets. So there's risk on every pick. So you might as well, you know, fade what everybody else is doing and try to gain some leverage. So if that does happen again and wipes out a big chunk of the pool, you're able to take advantage of that.
0: It goes to the mentality you have to have, right? If you're in a huge pool, you really have to have the mentality, I'm probably not winning this thing. My odds are really long. If I'm in a thousand entry pool, my odds are super long. So why not take these swings on the outcomes that if they do happen, Make massive differences. And then you get it, your pot odds go up quite a bit if 80%, 70% of the pool gets wiped out. Then you're talking, oh, now I may actually start thinking about winning the same.
1: Last thing on Survivor before we transition to Pick'em. And this is like the psychology of it. So I'm, I'm fascinated how you both respond to this pool behavior, considering what, whether it's 999 others or however many entries there are, what the mindset is of the other participants. Do participants stay too focused on their own entry and ignore everybody else?
0: Yes, probably as a general rule. I think it depends on the type of pool you're in. Like the larger your entry fee, there's probably less dead weight that is just like completely just mailing it in and just picking the team they want that week as you pay more money people tend to take it more seriously but I do think the other thing people tend to do is maybe not think about the contest overall like what do I need to do to win they think about what who do I think will win or who do I need to use for my entry like if I know I'm going to go deep uh, and New England is playing the Bears on Monday night last year And people are like, I got to use New England because they're actually not that great, but this is the best matchup. So I need to use them. And a lot of people decide to do the same thing. They aren't thinking outside of themselves because if you're willing to counter that move and be like, oh yeah, it would be nice to use New England. I I don't need them in the future, but I can also fade New England directly because I know everybody else is going to be on. And that's like the kind of play you need to be second order with like... Can I can I counter them by using a little bit of future value on a on a slightly better team than New England, but catch a lot of people using that team. That's that's kind of like and I think that's behavior we see is people will think about what's strategically best for them in these when even when they pay a lot of money, but maybe not what's best for the overall contest.
1: That would have been the right time too to take the Bears because then it went a game after that.
0: So. that. That's yeah, that was when Fields I think that's when they first introduced the new offense where he started just running the ball everywhere.
1: Okay, that's a good example, Travis. Uh, last thought here: the the pool behavior aspect of Survivor.
2: One thing I, I see a lot of people do is they make up these rules for themselves that shouldn't exist. Oh, I'm never taking a team on the road. Uh, I'm never taking a divisional game. Those are always close. Those are already baked into the win probability. Mm-hmm. So to make up these rules that just eliminate part of the field that could be good options for you, it's, it's just a huge mistake. Uh, I see that from a lot of beginner players. So don't do that. Consider everybody. Um, you have you only have 32 options. You might as well look at all of them. Don't start eliminating half just because they're on the road. Um, another thing, I don't see people plan ahead, even if it's just in pencil. What's your next five, six, seven weeks look like if yeah. everything, you know, if you do advance? What a lot of times, even if you're looking at, okay, what's my most plus EV play this week? Maybe you need to save them for later anyway you know, use the second most EV play or the third most EV play and save that team for later on down the road. Looking at the big picture, uh, even if you are looking at the, okay, well, I'm going to take this team because it's only 5% owned. Well, yeah, but that team's the Chiefs and you may need those, them in December. All right, what's the next EV
0: play and go there?
1: It's like wedding planning for Cryo.
0: Yeah, out <laughs> absolutely. Uh, what, yeah, one of the things fun. we see in uh, in ours, like that I notice because I, you know, I'm writing every week about like, because when you're playing the value game, you're playing against the public. You're playing against what most people do. And one of the other biases we see, besides the say, I don't want to pick our division game, teams that just lost the week before, people tend to want to avoid them. Even if Vegas is telling us they're an eight-point favorite, it, it's it, there's a lot of recency bias. that you. <laughs> so if you want to play the game strategically, a lot of times you're going to be uncomfortable because you're going to be fighting those biases. You're going to be taking the team nobody wants because they looked bad the week before. They turn the ball over five times. But Vegas is telling us they're way better than the team they're playing this week, and that's probably the value play in most pools because everybody else wants to not pick them.
1: Okay, good stuff. That's your survivor pool layout. And now a quick word from our friends at Ticketmaster. Mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com NFL.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It
1: opened up so
2: many more doors.
1: The show
0: is called The The Deal.
2: Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We transition now to the other type of popular NFL pool, the pick'em pools. Most are styled after after the original Westgate Super Contest, where participants pay a substantial entry fee before the season and they select five games against the spread each week the allure is clear you just got to pick five games and whatever the slate may be that given week and of course later in the year the bye weeks factor in thanksgiving slate etc pick five games against the spread and have the greatest season of your life and win over a million dollars yay and then you never have to listen to us again jason what is the biggest mistake so this is more so like a you have your do's and don'ts. This is a don't. What is the biggest mistake pick'em pool players make when entering an NFL pick'em contest? What is the correct approach if your intention is to finish number one?
0: Again, it's what contest are you playing? Uh, uh, people win a handicapping contest and not think about others. Because you need to think about how people pick. What's going to be popular? I know that uh, somebody else did a study a couple years ago on on one of those. I think it was either the Circa or Westgate contest. and that. You know, handicappers tend to think alike, which means in these contests, they actually all pick alike. And so even if you think they might have a little edge, you want to be on the games that people are not on um, a lot of times. You want to be able to, in those weeks where you go four and one, everybody else went two and three or whatever. Um, but You're going to need luck, right? You're going to need a lot of luck. But if you can leverage those things, what the same thing, you want to leverage against the crowd and people don't think about that. I also don't think people take line value enough in those contests. We, we might tend to avoid them early. You probably want to take the line value until you get to, say, the mid-season point because there's an edge, right? If, if, if a line's moved through a key number, you're getting more than 50% on that game, and you probably want to grab that until you know you're definitely chasing somebody and you need to stay off the popular picks. And I don't think enough people do that. I think grabbing line value is something to do early in a contest.
1: Travis something you said last year when we did this very same episode in the month of August leading into the season it isn't the game you think it is. Can you reiterate that statement please?
2: Yeah, you're you're not trying to predict what's going to happen in this NFL in the NFL games. You're picking, you're trying to predict what your opponents are going to do and take advantage of that. It's akin to poker when you're no longer playing your own cards, you're playing the opponent. That's what you're doing in these pick 'em pools. Okay, what are they doing? Okay, now how can I Get to the top of the leaderboard using that information. Yeah, Jason mentioned if you get behind, you can figure out what the popular picks are going to be that week. And pick and pulls, you can just pick directly against them. That's your best way to leap right up to them. If everybody's taking team A at home, you can take team B on the road right against them. And so that's an easy one-for-one flip. The same way, if you're ahead, if you're in the lead, you can do the exact same thing and just ride the popular picks and just, you know, kind of stay above everyone else. So you're really trying to, it's almost figuring out what other people are doing. Okay, now what do I do because of that? And then the NFL picks become secondary. Okay, now who do I like based on that information?
1: So, so off of that, though, what if you... Jason, what if you don't get off to a good start? You fall mm-hmm. behind. I know you've done some very intriguing yeah. research on what winning Pick 'em entries look like. What can you tell us about how often they have bad weeks or when someone falls behind and they're stressing yeah, out?
0: Absolutely. So, w- as part of our our Pick 'em product, w- one of the things we do every week, you come in, you want to get your picks, you tell us how you did. How'd you do the week before? What place are you in? So we have that data over like several years. Like we can, we actually have week by week, like standings data, what people tell us they did. Uh, so we can see like, okay, this entry eventually won and here's where they reported. Um, here's the, it's up and down. Um, obviously you have to do well overall, like in game winner pools, if you had to pick every game in the NFL season, our average winning entry averaged like 67% for the year. In spread pools like in the pick fives, you probably need to be what? Uh, above sixty-five. It depends on the size of the pool, but definitely above sixty, maybe above sixty-five in large ones, maybe all the way up to sixty-eight percent. But, you know, we know that there's gonna be fluctuations. Like there were weeks when I looked at the entries, they had five wins in a week out of like 15, 16 games. So they had bad weeks, but they just, you know, on average bounced up and down. Uh, I analogize it to golf like a golf round, right? You want to make the cut by the halfway point. You got to be within like 10 strokes of the leader in golf to make the cut, right? You need to be within like nine, 10 games of the leader by the halfway point to realistically have a chance to come back with a month ago, entering the final round, it, like you did moving day. How are you now within striking distance? Are you within four or five strokes? Are you within four or five wins with a month ago? Do you not have to pass a large number of people? But if that's the case, you know, you can do that. Our data showed that the average point at which the entries that reported winning moved into first wasn't until with four weeks to go on average. One out of every six in spread pools and in game winners, one in the final week. That is, they were not in first place entering the week, and they caught the leader in the final week because they were within striking distance. So you don't have to lead wire to wire. You don't have to be great every week. You have to stay within striking distance the stale lines i think that's
2: that's a good one where you can kind of take advantage you know if a, if a game's at 3 and somebody gets you know Jalen Hurts is knocked out for the game and now everybody's going to take the team that's going against the eagles which that's um, a good
1: example considering last year when hurts went out and we saw Gardner Minshew another example was when we saw Cooper Rush instead of Dak against Philadelphia yep.
2: yeah so and you can just jump on those backup quarterbacks at Terrible prices. They're, they are terrible prices. That's what you're locking yourself into. But if you are behind, that's something you can do to catch back up. But it's like Jason said. You're everybody's going to have like a one in four week. Everybody, you know, maybe multiple. Like you're just going to have bad weeks. It just happens. If you've bet on football for any length of time, you know this. Get there are tough weeks where you just totally whiff. So just. Beware aware of that. Just keep on grinding through all your picks. Start making maybe some more that will help you leap up back into that conversation and make the cut that he described uh, to maybe be there on at the final week.
1: And as we've discussed, this is a week-to-week thing with pick and pools. So it may not be obvious to the audience, but in a pick and pool, the ideal strategy for winning a weekly prize in a pick and pool can be very different from the strategy to try and win the season long prize. Yep. Does a pick and player, Jason have a choice to make between striving for weekly success or as Travis used the, ex- the bigger picture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are, um, there are pools that combine both. There's also obviously some that you just do a weekly contest or whatever, but the strategies are very different. Like you can win a season long pool without ever being the first place entry in that pool at any point in the season by just consist you know more consistently than others putting up 10 wins nine eight uh, 11 and 12 some weeks without ever hitting the 14 win week um but if you're playing a weekly contest the truth is there's maybe three or four high leverage games in a given week where you switching to an underdog on those particular games give you a huge edge and we see it in our data I, the the examples escape me but I know there was a week last year. I think it was the week Seattle played Atlanta. It might have been week three, four, somewhere in there. Seattle was hugely picked. They had knocked off Denver in week one. Atlanta hadn't won a game. That was one. There was another one. Jacksonville. That was the week of the Herbert injury. This was our biggest. 35% of our subscribers reported winning a weekly prize that week because we basically leveraged against those two games. The Chargers line dropped because of the Herbert news, but the public was heavily against the Jags because – we think that we know the Jags are good now, but think back to last September. People thought the Jags sucked, and everybody was picking against them. And so you might and, have in and, and the final
1: few weeks, Lawrence yeah. had to your point changed that around. But at the time, that was not the case. They had not really kind of turned that
0: corner yet, right? Yeah, so you might have had two three point underdogs that collectively only one out of every hundred entries was picking that combo, and seventy percent were picking the opposite. So you gained two wins on basically the field when you pick just those two games. And that's a difference between a weekly and a season long, because season long, you might just follow the crowd on those games and just be like, I'm going to outperform them over 200 games. But in a weekly, you're like, "I'm these three games matter. I'm going to win these three games and win the pool if it hits, if my outcome hits.
2: Remember Ricky Bobby, first or last. I I do not care about the weekly prize for the most part, you know, depending on how it's structured, but I I want that end goal at the end of the season. So for the most part, I will sacrifice any chance of getting, you know, that 14 and three week or something like that. And just try to get, you know, my 10 and 11 every week, get those wins banked and just be there at the end of the season. So that's, that's always my strategy. Yeah. It might help you get back some expected value by winning a couple of those weeks, but if you can win that big prize at the end, that's going to be the highest, uh, for your bankroll.
0: Yeah, and our product by the way d- provides different recommendations depending on what goal you want to go for. There's probably a point if you're not realistically going to win the pool where you do want to just switch and be like, I'm playing for weeklies every week for the last 5 weeks of the season cuz I'm too far back. I'm not I'm probably not hitting it. Uh but yeah, if if the prize money is in the season long, that probably needs to be your goal, but you probably want to adjust and evaluate each week. Like how realistic is winning the league prize the season prize versus taking shots on the weekly
1: Jason Liss, Travis Reed, this was awesome. You guys were great. I feel even more educated than last year. And it feels like we hit on the same stuff, but we grow, we learn. The examples were fantastic. Thanks to both of you for hopping on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, man.
1: Okay, our thanks again to Jason Liss and Travis Reed. As a reminder, Pool Genius is extending discounts up to 55% on football packages to Action Network listeners, plus a free trial through NFL Week 1 so you can give... All of their tools, a test drive. Just visit PoolGenius.com slash action to sign up. PoolGenius.com slash action or follow the link in this episode description. It'll take you there. Next week, NFL Week 1. So be on the lookout for our full lineup of weekly NFL episodes, including our NFL betting preview with Stucky and Chris Raybon, plus Happy to have our NFL Best Bets weekly episodes every Friday. Thanks again for listening, everybody, to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. We will join you next time.
2: Action Network reminds you please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24 7 at 1 800 Gambler.